Section 54 of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibreVox recording. All LibreVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibreVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter 54 my queen rose of the rosebuds the countess of linleigh sat anxiously watching the fair face of lady doris all was going on well at linleigh the gentle stately countess was already half worshipped there the earl considered himself the happiest of men one conversation had both pleased and touched Lady Linley. When she had been at home some days, she fancied Mattie looked grave and almost sad. She had been thinking seriously about the girl, whether it was advisable to ask her to remain with Lady Doris as friend and companion, or whether it would be better to permit her to return to Brankenside. The Earl had spoken of their going to London in May. If they did so, could Mary go with them? Would it not be rather cruel than kind to give her notions or accustom her to a life which it would be impossible for her to live? The Countess saw Mary walking one morning in the early spring alone with a most thoughtful look on her face, and she went to her. "'I have been looking for early violets,' said Mattie, glancing with a smile at Lady Linley. "'In that pretty little dell, thorny dell, Doris calls it, the air is filled with their fragrance, yet I cannot see them. At Brankenside, at this time, the woods are full of them.' The Countess laughed. There is no play like Brackenside, is there, Mattie? No, replied the girl earnestly. None, at least it seems to me, because I love my home so very dearly. Then Lady Linley placed her hand caressingly on the girl's shoulder. Mattie, she said gently, you were looking very sad and thoughtful a few minutes since. What were you thinking of? home and early was the frank reply lady lindley was half startled what about early she asked the brown eyes were raised wistfully to hers early will be so unhappy lady lindley without doris no one knows no one can imagine how he loves her i cannot think what his life is without her but he will not be without her long said the countess did you not know that he was coming here in february she saw a rose-colored flush underneath the brown skin she saw a sudden warm light in the brown eye and without a word almost by instinct the countess of linley guessed the girl's secret and how dearly she loved early coming here repeated mattie i am so glad 
so am i added lady lindley i have the highest opinion of your friend early she did not know how grateful those words were to the girl who never heard early spoken of save as stories on peculiar property her friend she could have blessed lady lindley for it the words seemed to have made that sweet spring sunshine brighter in some strange vague way the odor of the hidden violets and the sound of early's voice seemed to harmonize and you yourself mattie said the countess more touched than she cared to own by that unconscious revelation could you be happier to remain here or to go home you shall decide for yourself and do which you will my place is home was the simple reply i have seen my dear doris happy i shall always be able to picture to myself what her manner of life is like i shall know that early is content being with her so that it seems to me now my place and my duty alike are at home i think you are right dear child said the countess she had read the girl's secret rightly and knew that from henceforward for mattie brace there would be but one consolation and that she would find in doing her duty you would like perhaps she added to wait and welcome early but mattie remembered how many things he would require what preparations would be necessary for a visit to lindley court and she divined with the rapidity of thought natural to her that she must go home and help early lady lindley was infinitely touched by the young girl's simplicity her loving heart her complete sacrifice even the earl wondered how it was that his wife showed such sincere affection for mattie mattie went away and on this morning some few days after her departure lady lindley sat anxiously watching the face of the beautiful doris had she any heart or was she a true studley the countess had been thinking of her all the morning for at breakfast time the earl with a smile of happiness had given her a letter saying this is from early how he loves doris he is coming to-day lady lindley's thoughts had flown back to the time when she sat with doris in the conservatory at the castle and had argued so strongly with her on the point of love she was disappointed for the beautiful face did not brighten no warmth came into the lovely eyes when she heard the announcement of her lover's coming coming to-day is he papa and lady lindley quick to judge felt a sure conviction that the tie which bound lady doris to early murray gentleman and poet was burdensome to her perhaps she is ambitious thought the countess it may be that with her wealth and title she thinks a marriage with early beneath her again she felt somewhat reassured when she saw that lady doris took some pains to please her lover 
he was to reach Linley in the evening. When the dressing bell rung, Lady Estelle hastened her toilet in order that she might do what she was very fond of doing, spend a short time in Lady Lorry's dressing room. She loved to see the shining ripples of golden hair loose and unbound. She liked to watch the glorious face and to see the graceful figure arrayed in dress of fitting splendor. There were times when Lady Loris herself wondered at the great tenderness of the Duke's daughter. As fate ordained me a stepmother, she would say to herself with a smile, I cannot be sufficiently thankful that she likes me so well. On this evening Lady Lindley started with surprise. Accustomed as she was to the girl's beauty, it had never seemed to her so striking or so graceful. Lady Loris had indeed arrayed herself so as to charm the eyes of her lover. A little cry of admiration came from Lady Estelle. It escaped her without her knowledge. Lady Doris looked around with a blush and a smile and nodded her graceful head. I am being poetical, Lady Lindley, she said laughingly. Early is a poet, and I am dressing in character as a poet's bride, you see. There was the least possible suspicion of mockery in her words and laughter, but looking at her, the countess could find no fault. The tall, graceful figure seemed to rise from clouds of rich white lace. The white, rounded arms were bare to the shoulder. The graceful neck was clasped by neither diamond nor pearl. On the white breast, a diamond glittered like flame. The golden hair, with its shining waves, was beautifully arranged. The little ears were like pink seashells. A few green leaves were carelessly entwined in the golden hair. She looked like the very spirit of love, beauty, and song. Then you do care to please early, said Lady Linley as she kissed the fair face. Certainly, was the coquettish reply. I have no thought of failing either. Even the earl stood and gazed for a few moments in mute admiration of his daughter's loveliness. Then he shook his head and said gravely, There was no need for it, Doris, no need. It was characteristic of this father and daughter that they understood each other perfectly. They were so much alike that the medium of words was not always required. They seemed to read each other's thoughts by instinct, while Lady Lindley stood by, quite ignorant of her husband's meaning, Lady Doris understood it perfectly. It meant that Early loved her already so dearly, there was no need for her to try to win more love from him. The Earl did not profess to be a man of sentiment, as a rule. He considered love a kind of weakness 
to which one was especially liable in youth but this wondrous love of Earle's Murray's impressed him greatly. He had decided to drive himself to the station to meet his young guest, to whom he desired to show all honour. Then Lady Linley had said it would be less embarrassing for them to meet alone. "'What a font of sentiment you have, Estelle,' laughed the earl. By all means, arrange a tete-a-tete -tete for them. My honest belief is that women never tire of love stories. He did not know how such speeches as these jarred upon the tender, sensitive heart of his wife. But Lady Lindley was considerate. Doris, she said to the proud young beauty, it is some time since you have seen early and he will perhaps feel more restrained in my presence and not talk to you as freely as he would in my absence i will leave you to receive him and doris laughed with some of the earl's half contempt for sentiment yet she owned to herself that she was really glad there was no one to see poor Earle's extravagant delight and wild worship of her in the burning intensity of his desire to see her all other things were entirely lost it never occurred to him that the earl of linley had purposely put himself to inconvenience to meet him at the railway station he never gave even a passing thought to the grand carriage the liveried servants the magnificent mansion he thought only of doris the birds sang of her, the wind whispered her name. Lord Linley smiled more than once as his remarks were unheard, his questions unanswered. After all, there was something very beautiful, half divine, in such love. He envied the young poet who felt it and the girl who was its object he understood that all the glories of linley were for the present quite lost on early when they reached the court the earl looked at the poet with a smile if you were an ordinary visitor he said i should suggest a dining-room and instant refreshment but knowing you to be far away from all such early matters i merely mention them my daughter the lady doris is in the drawing-room there would you join her early had longed with the intensity of longing to see her again his life had been one long fever one fire of desire one constant thought of her yet when he stood once more in her beautiful presence he was mute dumb she smiled at him and held out her white jeweled hands to him early she said and at the sound of her voice his whole soul seemed to wake up early she repeated and the next moment he held those white hands in his he drew her to him he kissed her face her brow it was pitiful to see a strong man's soul so bound down with a mighty love early she repeated a third time 
it is certainly an excellent thing that i do not wear chignons how do young ladies manage i wonder with chignons and such a rapturous lover as you look at my flowers and dress it is not really etiquette to kiss and any young lady en grand toilet he only laughed at the mocking words what cared he when his arm was round her and he looked into her face again my darling he said my queen rose of rosebuds she laid her hand on his lips that is tennyson's poetry she said not your own are you so very pleased to see me early so pleased that i cannot find words so pleased that the wonder to me is that i can bear so much happiness if you think you are too happy early i can soon alter the state of things she said laughingly you cannot alter yourself he replied while you are what you are as you are i must be the happiest of men i cannot help it mary told me that i should find you changed why my darling you are beautiful graceful noble as a queen in all the wild world i am quite sure there is no one like you none End of chapter 54 Read by Gabi Kawan